0: If you're interested in learning how to set up, structure, and launch your brand spanking new copywriting business, this is the podcast for you. I'm Bernadette Schwartz, and I'm the founder of the Australian School of Copywriting and the head copywriting tutor at the Australian Writers' Centre. I've trained over 9,000 people in the art of copywriting. And I know that the one thing that trips most people up with starting out is how to set up Their copywriting business in the first place. So whether you want to launch your side hustle or maybe take it to the next step and give your current job the flick and become a full-time copywriter or anything in between, there are lots of little things you need to think about, but they can become big things if you don't have the insights and expertise to set this thing up correctly in the first place. And that's what this podcast is all about. Now, if you're keen to learn the art and science of copywriting before you set up your business, why not enroll in one of our amazing copywriting courses there's a lot to learn and doing a short course will fast track that success and help you write more quickly so you can feel less stress and write more and get paid more melissa Rand recently completed one of our copywriting essentials course and she said i wish i'd done this course years ago the course took my copywriting to the next level and made me feel so much more confident about my writing thanks melissa Now, we also know that once you get training, sometimes the momentum can fall away. It's called the training effect. So a great way to keep up the energy and the motivation is to join our community of copywriters at copyclub.com.au. Now, having a team you can turn to to get your questions answered and having access to dozens of videos and check sheets and templates will help you get started, and it could mean the difference between success and failure. So check us out at copyclub.com.au. And if you like our podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. There's a lovely expression I'd like to kick off with, which is you start as you intend to finish. So if you're setting up your copywriting business from scratch, it's really good to think about where do you want to end up? what is your end goal and so you start on a really strong footing and that you make decisions that are going to future proof you to some degree so that as you move through the years of building your business um, you know that you've made the right decisions from the get-go so if you make these small decisions correctly then the big decisions kind of take care of themselves So the first thing I want to talk about is how to structure and set up your freelance copywriting business. And there's so many things to think about and so many ways to do it. But after 30 years of doing this myself and also coaching literally thousands of students on how they can build their freelance businesses, I just want to share with you some of the shortcuts and some of the the tips and tricks so you can get started quite quickly. So the first thing to think about is what do you want? And I know that's a very cliched question, but it really does matter because it does affect the decisions you make moving down the track. So um, for example, do you want to have an advertising agency, you know, like a, a global agency or a digital marketing agency or an SEO agency, you know, with multiple people working for you? Is that your goal? Maybe it's to... Um, you know, jet around the world and and have like big blue chip clients and that kind of lifestyle, or maybe you want the reverse of that, which is just to work from home and do copywriting as a side hustle, do it in between the school pickups for your children, work just a couple of hours a week and just make some extra pin money, you know, to pay for school fees or you know the holiday, you know, whatever it might be. So, and there might be something in between, you know, but basically they're the two sides of the spectrum. So. What you want is really important because it will determine how you proceed with the name that you choose, the structure of your business, the types of websites that you might build, um, and also where you work and the kinds of people you might want working for you. So my recommendation is always keep it simple. right? And so in the very early stages, if you're in doubt about what you want, just take the simplest path. You can change your mind later. This is not set in stone, Uh, but you need to get started. And I really want to help you get started really really quickly. So if you're in doubt, choose the simplest, cheapest, easiest option. And that is to be a sole trader. And that is to use your own personal name. If that's uncomfortable for you in terms of using your own name, let's call it Karen Smith, um, then you can choose a business name, which is kind of the next level up. And it's not difficult to do at all, but it, it just requires just a little bit more effort. Uh, at any point you're going to have to register for an abn so if you're listening from australia that's an australian business number which kind of gives you the right to, to trade or from a government perspective enables them to track you basically um another thing to think about where you're going to work you know uh, most people start working from home and i highly recommend that and we're all at home, on some level, these days, so it's uh, not that big a deal to start from where you are right now. But if you're going to work from home, it's really important to set up a space, you know, somewhere near you that's convenient. You don't have to sort of pack everything up and pack everything down if that's possible. Not everyone's got that opportunity there. Um, you could have a proper office, you know. You could get a co-working space, and that's really nice if you um, want some space. Some privacy, you want to meet with clients, etc. But I think in the early stages, just working from home is completely adequate and sufficient. Um, the next thing you'll need to think about are some of the tools that you'll need. And obviously, mobile phone is is key. Uh, you might need some marketing collateral, and I'll talk about a bit more about what those might look like. You'll obviously need a, a computer of some sort, but you don't need anything sophisticated, you know, you just need internet and email and word, right? They're the only things you really need. And I often get asked the question. You know, do I need to be techie? Do I need to build websites? No, you absolutely do not. If you can type into Word, you can become a copywriter. You do need a computer, but you don't need to be fancy with it. You just need to know how to use Word. So in terms of setting up a business, copywriting is probably the um, cheapest new business you can set up with the least friction and the least expense. You know, you don't have to buy stock. You don't have to hire a space. You don't have to hire teams. You don't have to, um, you know get into overheads and all those kinds of things it's, it's incredibly streamlined as a new occupation so they're, they're the kinds of tools that you might need and just with things like your mobile phone if you're going to set your message up you know be careful about that and, and craft it carefully so that the first contact someone has with you is really professional um And I mean, I've heard people, not not copywriters in particular, but just people in general say, oh, hi, it's Karen. I'll call you back when I can. It's like, "Eh, really? (laughs) Does that make me feel, you know, like I'm the preference, you know, as a client that you, you know, you put me front and center. So do be careful with that message. Um, And, you know, some real estate agents, and again, I'm not suggesting you do this, but a lot of real estate agents who are completely customer focused will talk about things like, will say things like, hi, this is anthony brown from so-and-so real estate uh today is tuesday the 12th of september and i will call you back within 24 hours I mean that's super efficient, right? And you know you're talking to a professional when you get those messages, particularly when they call you back within those 24 hours. And yeah, you know, the thing is not to overpromise. If you say you're going to do 24 hours, you've got to do that, or else you look worse than not saying anything at all in terms of the time frame in which you'll call somebody back. So just be, you know, take a moment to craft that, R- write it out. You know, it's a piece of copy. You really do have to think about that. And and the difficulty, if you're side hustling on this, and you've got this one mobile phone. And, you know, you've, you've got people ringing you on it that then you, and you may not want your boss, for example, to know that you're doing copywriting Well, you might want to get just a, a burner phone, as they say, but just a small phone, you know, with uh, the ability to take messages so that you don't sort of mix up those two identities, but that's that's kind of in the minority, I would think, but that is a solution if you do have a work phone and you don't want work to know that you've got a side hustle going on in the evening anyway so next thing is some marketing collateral and this could be as small or as large as you want it to be but you do need something because what happens is when people talk to you in terms of you know you meet them somewhere or you've made a connection and people want to know more about you the first thing they kind of say is or after you've had the initial chat is can you send me something now you may not have your website done yet and So you still want something to be able to send them. So one of the easiest things to do is just do a basically what I call a one pager. And it's, you can do this in Canva, which is a really nice free graphic design platform. You can get a a, a graphic designer on fiverr.com to help you with this, but it's really basic. It's basically got maybe a photo of you, It's got, you know, your name, your details, a little bit about what you do, some of your credentials of things that you've done or places you've worked, and it's basically designed to sell you, right? So when people uh, read it, they go, this person looks like they could do what I need them to do. So there's all sorts of um, ways in which that can be created so that you are presenting yourself uh, in the best possible light. And you might be thinking, well, I haven't got any experience right now. What do I put on it? So that's where your copywriting does come in handy, because what you kind of want to say with complete ethical, you know, sort of standards intact so that you're not overpromising or making yourself out to be somebody you're not. But let's say you've worked in a law firm, right, and you've written briefs you've written maybe some emails you've written maybe a flyer for the social club or you've worked for the football club and you've created a sponsorship proposal for them or you've created a fly for the kinder whatever you've done in your past that plays a role so you can say i've worked in the legal profession writing content for companies like you know you might even talk about some of the the other companies that you've worked with if that's appropriate Or, you know, you might have been a teacher, for example, and you've done some work for, as I said, for the local community um, organizations or the sporting clubs. So you can name those organizations. So you don't have to have been published as a copywriter and paid as a copywriter to present yourself as a copywriter. Um, You can potentially maybe just write for a friend, uh, you know, write a blog for a company that um, you're associated with or you, you have connections with. You can put them down. And you don't have to talk about how long you've worked for them. Or you can just say, "I've created content for." You can put a few logos in there as well. Pictures tell a thousand words, and it's really visually appealing to see logos on something like this. So, um, you know, don't be don't be too sort of hesitant to put this together if you haven't done any work. Just think about what you have done, and 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 try and craft that to present yourself as a as a, a person who's got some ability. And the thing is, the potential client is not there to catch you out you know they're not there to say well you haven't worked for nike or telstra and therefore you, you know you don't have the ability what they're just trying to see is your ability to write and a, a bit of a glimpse moment or a blink moment as malcolm gladwell calls it so you just want to keep it kind of fairly fairly broad and general but they just want to be able to see that you can write and in fact the writing you put on the flyer is probably the most important piece of content that you're going to create for that client to determine if you're, you know, able to write. So the other thing to think about is um, business cards and in certain environments, you know, whether you're working online or you're in person, um, you still need a business card personally, I think. And um, so when I say in person, there'll, there'll be opportunities when you do meet people socially and they will want to keep in touch with you and i'll give you an example i was at an event recently and i wasn't i was there as an emc for this particular sort of event and the production team was there filming it and what have you and and the woman who was on the production team came up to me afterwards because i had talked about copyright so you know is there any way i can get in touch with her so sure here's my business card but then the next day she'd enrolled in the course and i thought that was just the power of connection you know if i had said Oh, I don't have a card that you can look me up on LinkedIn, which is also appropriate. But what happens is she now has to go and find my name. She has to remember my name or have to write it down on some scrap of paper. And then she has to go back and find it. Look me up, link in, connect, all that kind of stuff. And it says like three extra barriers steps in the way, whereas you could just give person a card and i know it seems really old-fashioned and analog and i i have people tell me all the time business cards are dead i so don't agree you know um so and i think not having a card you just lose opportunities as well and uh and it's so simple to get you know vista print or your local printer 20 30 dollars and you've got 50 to 100 cards and one card could pay for you know and you get a job pays for that pays for your website potentially but i had one student who um put a card in to be printed and the printer said oh you're a copywriter and she said yes thinking really am i (laughs) but if you say i am therefore i must be getting a card printed he says well i need some copy done right now so can i hire you so the card has a couple of features you know a couple of functions and that is it tells you that you're a copywriter first up and then also it tells others that you're a copywriter so you don't have to sort of present yourself too strongly because the card does it for you so it's a little bit of a a device that enables you to sell yourself quite elegantly and softly without you having to feel like you've got to do all the talking and all you need on the card is your first name last name your email um if you've got any social media handles at this point maybe even just linkedin and you don't even worry about your website if you know that the website's not been done yet don't delay this moment because it's the card that could give you enough clients to pay for the website and By the time you've got the website up, then you can get another set of cards for another $20, $30. So it's a very small investment. Anyway, I love business cards. Let me just tell you that because to me, they're just the simplest way to connect. And also you think about your social media profiles or your channels or your platforms. So I wouldn't recommend going out and getting them all up to date, you know, unless you've already got them, but you might just want to focus on LinkedIn and do that really well. Or you might want to focus on Facebook and do that really well or Instagram. So pick one at least that you really want to use as your main channel and and give that a lot of attention. Because if you've got four or five, chances are your attention will be sort of, I guess, diverted across all five and and none of them look as good as they could if you just focused on one or two. That also depends on your target audience. you know. So if you know that you're going for a professional market, then LinkedIn might be the best. If you're going for, say, the mum's market, then potentially Facebook might be better. Uh, you know, so you just sort of choose the platform that you know where your target audience is hanging out in. If you don't have that knowledge yet, don't worry, just get your LinkedIn profile up, maybe your Facebook page as well. But again, not essential, just even LinkedIn is, is basic. So the next thing is to think about building your website. Now, I could run a whole podcast on this and I might one day, but it, it can become a really big deal. It doesn't need to be, but I just want to flag for you that there'll be barriers and you'll think this is too hard i'm not going to complete this this is not worth you know considering this whole business because the website is difficult can i just encourage you to push through okay and just know that there will be hiccups you know um but it's worth progressing with it because Once you have a website, it actually does things. It unleashes energy within you because you've suddenly got this public profile that's out there working on your behalf 24-7 that you don't have to, you know, sell yourself because the website's doing it for you. But also it legitimizes you just from your own perspective. And it enables you to, if you've got an idea or an idea for a blog or a piece of content that you want to create, you can put it up there. So suddenly you've got this little house that you own, that you can contribute to. And it's that little house that's out there working for you. And even if you don't have work, don't let that be a barrier to building a website because all you need to do is create a couple of pieces of content off your own bat, you know, that you've generated. As I said, you don't need to be published or paid to promote yourself as a copywriter. You might just create a fictional business and write a flyer for it. You might create a fictional blog for a company or just a blog in general. You know, that might be of interest to you. So don't let your lack of portfolio stop you from actually building your website. And then you need to get a um, URL, basically. You know, you've got to call yourself something. So what you can think about there is well, what are you going to call yourself? And that's why that initial question about what do you want? Is this going to be the Karen Smith um, business.com.au uh, or is it going to be WordPower.com. E. So, whether you want to be you selling yourself or whether you want to have a company or business name, I should say, where it's more of a third party and you're not necessarily the front face of it, that's an important distinction. Even from a small thing like writing the copy, is it going to be I am the copywriter and I will be working with you, which is first person, versus we are a team of copywriters and we will be assisting you in dot, dot, dot. So, Even the wording of I versus we is determined by, you know, what kind of URL that you might be picking. So there's lots of ways in which you can register your URL. You can go to uh, godaddy.com or crazydomains.com.au and a few others. But they're the two big ones, and I recommend you probably stick with them. And you can just check if your name's available. The ways to build a website are, enormous right lots of options Uh, WordPress is is very common Uh, Squarespace Weebly Wix these are all uh, platforms that you can use and people often ask me well what's the best one and it gets really contentious you know people go well I love Weebly because it's simple and I love Squarespace because it's this and people say but WordPress is best for SEO so I'm going to let you do your own research on that one Uh, maybe ask around or do some research as to what the uh, the best platform is for you and that will be also determined by whether you build it yourself or whether you hire someone to do it for you again that's the subject of another podcast is how to actually build a website but i just want to flag for you that they are the the popular kinds of platforms that people use and theme forest is a really nice uh, marketplace for website themes so for example if you don't want to build your website from scratch and just put boxes on the page and hope it all works together or even get a web developer to do that for you, just go to themeforest.net.au or maybe it's themeforest.net. My apologies, just check that out. And uh, it's basically a, a subsidiary of Invato E-N-V-A-T-O, which is an amazing Australian company of uh, basically um, a whole bunch of marketplaces for digital assets but themeforest.net is for websites so you could go to themeforest.net and you say okay i want to type in the keyword being freelance writing business or consultancy or you know, cafe or coffee shop whatever your business happens to be but for this occasion we're going to assume it's a copywriting business and just type in a keyword that reflects what you do and it would generate for you 50 to 100 versions or sort of lovely designs of websites that you could pick from and it gets kind of exciting because you go oh i'd love my website to look like that and so you pick the theme you pay maybe 50 to 100 dollars, whatever it might be and then you give that theme to your web developer and then that web developer then knows that well this is the website that this is how you want it to look and all that coding and back end and design is done for you at a very very cost effective rate rather than getting the web developer to build it from scratch and the gorgeousness of that particular style if you if you do buy a theme is you can go okay there's three boxes there and they require 50 words each. So that's going to be my about page. And this page is more about you know, um, services. And there's three boxes there. Well, that could be blogs and that's going to be my SEO and that's going to be my you know, email marketing. So you can start to see where your copy can fit in so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel and think, oh my God, I've got to design this whole website from scratch. So that's the beauty of going to themeforest.net. Again, the decision about whether you build it or not is a big one. I have had so many students start to build it and they get stuck just on codes you know they can't get into wordpress for example or they can't um get into some particular platform and they get stuck and they've already bought the url and maybe they can't access the code to get the url and it just gets really messy so there is some merit in just hiring a web developer to build it for you and again I won't go into that because that's um there's so many decisions to be made but I just want to give you the the upshot of how you can get started uh, the beauty of being a copywriter is you write the copy right so that that's a really uh Big saving right there that you can be that person who writes your copy. And don't worry about logos and all that kind of stuff. You know, you can go to basically um, logo generator, just type that into Google, type in your name or whatever the the business name is that you've chosen and press go and you'll get like 10 beautiful logos. So you don't need to invest a lot of money with graphic design. Sorry, graphic designers out there, don't want to put you out of a job. But uh, I, I just this morning did a CV for a friend of mine a senior executive in the real estate sector and he's sort of semi-retired but he's looking for board roles and things like that and i was just doing up his cv as a as a favor and we had to do a cover letter and i just put in the initials which i won't say what they are but i put in the initials into the logo generator press go and i got like 10 beautiful logos with those initials and it just looks so professional you know and i just black and white kept it really simple so don't spend a lot of money on logos at this point you really don't need to um now, what else can I talk to you about? Um, yes, in terms of the um, the name, all right? So I gave you some options. You can either get your own name, you can get a, a business name, or you can get a company name. So I'm just going to do a little bit of a deep dive into the name, the choice of name. Um, if you choose your own name, you can get started right away, like which which I've got. And even if, right, even if you don't, want to trade under your own name, I highly recommend you go out and buy your URL to your own name. Because if you don't, someone else could. Now, it does take a few little sort of leaps to get another person's name, but it happens. And I've read so many times in the newspaper of people who haven't, like a politician, for example, and I've seen two cases of this in Australia in the last six months, where these two women did not buy their own URLs Their competitors and their kind of nefarious competitors or nefarious, whichever way you want to, wherever you're from, um, did buy these women's names and then created really negative content. And so whenever people typed in, let's say Jane, you know, Roberts, this horrible website turned up in this person's name. It was really debilitating, horrible experience for these women. It was two separate occasions and they had to work really hard to get those names back and pay money and all sorts of stuff and it was very public and it's horrible so don't even let that happen to you even if you're not a politician even with your children just by your url the 20 dollars it's not very much per year and it just protects you and you own that real estate and it just saves other people from getting it from you as well so that would be one thing to consider um and In terms of the business name, if you want to do the word power, for example, or the right staff or the word factory or Karen's copy, whatever it might be, then do make sure that that URL is available before you buy the business name because you're going going to need to buy that business name. You're going to need to register that with the government in Australia anyway. So be careful before you buy things that they're available both from the business name register and also from the URL uh if you can pick a you um an seo friendly name you know like karen smith freelance copywriter kind of thing that's ideal but don't get hung up on that if you can't get the words copy content digital market or whatever those those words are just even your name is perfect okay and you look at any big celebrity they always buy their names and they're doing tons of stuff right jewellery designer, fashion designer, influencer, actor, speaker, they've got tons of strings to their bow, but they just buy their name. So don't be too hung up on getting keywords into the name if, if that's problematic. Also, it enables you to keep flexible. So if you are a copywriter, but you want to be an illustrator or a singer or something, you can still own your name, but under that you can have little sub brands, you know, so that you can sort of house your empire under the Karen Roberts um sort of website and then have all these little subsidiaries going on now how do you register a business name well it's very simple just type into google how to register a business name in australia or whatever country you might be in there's lots of ways to do it i won't give you urls because they're bound to change so i don't want to be um giving you something that's not working, but you literally just, how do I register a business name? And you follow your nose and you basically fill out the, the, the forms and you register it. Uh, if you want to become a company, okay, this is another level of complexity. And I don't recommend it in the early stages of your copywriting career, unless you're earning at least $75,000 and up, right? At least, because in order to benefit from the tax you know sort of advantage of having a company you need to be earning that plus and now that figure will probably change as well but just in general if you're not earning that already don't bother about becoming a company and it's very worthwhile to seek an accountant's advice before you set up a company because there's a few things at play like you become a director you've got to submit minutes you've got to do solvency reports there's a whole bunch of documents you need to take care of Now your accountant can do that for you but you know it it is just another level of complexity that you need to consider and like I said this early stage you want to be streamlined you want to get going straight away so I wouldn't necessarily recommend that course of action Uh, from the ABN like Australian business number again this is for the Australian listeners you definitely need that, right? You definitely need that. Um, I mean, you can trade without it, but it gets complete uh, complicated and there's tax implications and it looks a little bit unprofessional to not have one. Very simply, again, just type in how do I apply for an ABN and you'll be taken to a government website and it'll step you through it. So it's pretty pretty straightforward. Uh, The other thing I've noticed is that students who get the ABN quickly and go through that little bit of Moment of "Mm, got to find this technical stuff, this officialdom, red tape. But once they do that, it kind of takes the handbrake off and they can start to really move forward with momentum with their copywriting career. So, if you know, don't let these little things pull you back because they're sort of mental little drains on your progress. So, just remember simply, you know, just type in how do I apply for an ABN? It doesn't cost anything, by the way, it's just something you need to do. Now, is ABN the same as GST? completely separate okay gst is is about when you've earned a certain amount then you've, you you so are obligated to pay gst but in your early days you're probably not going to earn that so don't worry about gst that is a completely separate thing and you probably won't need to worry about that in the early stages of your business of getting registered for gst now i want to talk about um a few qualities you know of um of of what makes a successful copywriter and then i'm going to talk about insurance because i know a lot of people ask about insurance i'll just cover that um, a little bit later but that will be covered but first up you know what kind of qualities do you need to succeed in the early days of becoming a copywriter and the first thing i'd say is you have got to be responsive in the sense if somebody reaches out to you or they say in some kind of networking event or wherever you might meet them that they're interested follow up quickly, you know, don't let that lead sit there and get cold for days on end, because often people need things quickly. And if they don't find you, they'll find someone else. And you you want to be that person who's responsive. And this comes down to your brand, you know, what values do you hold dear to yourself? And how do you want to be known to other people? And I believe brand is what people say about you when you leave when you've left the room. And so you want to be thought of as responsive. And, uh, and that's an important thing to sort of get get clear for yourself. For me, one of my brands or the brand values that I hold dear is easy to work with. And, and that sounds like a bit of a you know, playing, paying lip service. But what it means is I, I get back to people quickly. Uh, I don't um, give angst, you know, and I'll talk more about those qualities in just a second. But what is interesting and really rewarding is when you hear people talk about you to other people, you know, they refer you, they say, she's really easy to work with, you know, and and suddenly that brand that you were hoping to emulate, it it gets conveyed to the people that you're working with and they see that and then you say, okay, so it does get noticed. These things are important because sometimes you think these qualities don't get noticed, but they really, really do. So the next thing to think about is, um, and this will upset some people, right? But you've got to be a constant marketer. And that can really throw people because they think I'm not a marketer. I don't like selling. I don't want to sell myself. I'm really not in this to be front and center. I just want to write. And that's all well and good, right? But you might just have very skinny children, right? Because you're not going to earn any money. Um, But what I'd like you to think about is just flipping the script a little bit, because this perception that you have to sell yourself and market yourself, if you come at it from the perspective of you are helping people you are serving people rather than selling it takes a lot of the pressure off you um having to be this salesperson right and i honestly believe in this era we can't sell things to people who don't want it you know that sort of 80s sales like sort of um what was that beautiful play Oh, by what's his name? <laughs> All vague. They were salespeople. They sold aluminium sidings, you know. Um, oh, it was an American author. Anyway, I can't remember. But even like Death of a Salesman, you know, Willie Loman, you know, the salesman in him, you know, um, he was out there and it was always hard, right? So anyway, I'm getting really distracted with my um, literature experience. But the thing is, if you really believe in what you're doing as a copywriter and you really believe that, with the words that you write, you can help a business flourish, you can help a business um, owner feel less stressed, you can help develop leads and opportunities for a business owner so that they can go home at the end of the day and be comfortable and feel relaxed and enjoy their family and and go to bed with a clean, you know, sort of clear conscience knowing that they've got leads coming in. That helps that business owner in a big way you know, because often they can't do what you do. They're not writers. And the reality that we live in is if you're not creating content on a fairly regular basis, you're not getting work. You're not You're not going to survive as a business owner. So if you can really believe in your heart of hearts that what you've got is valuable and that business owners need it and that you're not pushing something onto them that they don't want, then I think you're going to find the process of marketing a lot easier. And again, we can, you know, I've done other sort of podcasts on this topic, but I just want you to know that You don't need to be selling yourself. And so when I say be a constant marketer, what I mean by that is you need to be on the lookout, you know, for opportunities. So if you like, I mean, a lot of people don't like the word opportunist either. And I understand why it feels like you're just taking advantage of people um, who aren't in a position, you know, to sort of fight back kind of thing. But it's not about that. It's just saying, if you're talking to someone and they're saying business is suffering or I don't know what to do next, or I don't have a website, or uh, I, I don't really know how to use Facebook you know, advertising. They are all opportunities for you to have a sales conversation, to ask them some questions and, and sort of guide them along the path to understanding that there's a solution to those particular issues that they're having. So that is having your antenna up all the time, or when you choose to have the antenna up, like sometimes you just may not want to be thinking about business, but often business opportunities float by when you're least expecting it, you know, and it's in those moments where you probably have a little bit of a a gut wrench and you kind of go, oh, I have an opportunity here to maybe ask them a few questions, but I don't feel like doing it. My advice is if you feel that little clench in your tummy, that sense of, "Mm," that is the moment when you push through and you ask because it's in those moments of uncomfortableness that they are where the opportunities lie. And that little eek moment that you might be having about you see an opportunity, but you don't want to ask, ask yourself, where is that coming from? You know, what is generating that eek moment? Is it that you don't want to be seen as a salesperson? Um, If you flip that again in that moment, you say, this person needs me. If this person knew what I could do for them, they they would not be hesitant to choose me. You know, you're actually helping them. So you have to be mindful of your thoughts in those eek moments because when you feel that and the temptation is to pull back and not pursue that conversation... You're doing yourself a disservice, but you are potentially denying that person of your services and denying them of the ability to grow their business. So that will take a little bit of resetting your mind, your mindset, and your your self talk. But I just want you to become aware of that eek moment because I still feel it. You know, I see opportunities and go, oh, that's an opportunity. Oh, I don't feel like talking about that. Oh, I don't feel like it. You know, I don't want to. So all that's going on. But then I just, I've learned that it's in those moments of indecision that if I just commit to it, and I own it, and I have the courage and the micro bravery to break through, they are the gold moments and life-changing opportunities have occurred to me because I've just had that little moment of bravery to ask about that thing that I just know could be uncovered in that conversation so there's my little uh, sort of motivational rant right there but uh, it is in those little moments where the 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 jobs can be secured and those sales conversations can be converted into paying customers so that's about the the values i guess you know your brand values and etc the other thing to think about is being orderly you know now i've got to be honest Orderliness is not my strong point. All right. So if you know that to be you're like filing for me, just does my head in. I can never find anything, which is why I have a virtual assistant, right? I think I spend most of my time saying, Can you please send me that file? Now I could find it, right? But it's going to take me a while to find it. So I'm being really honest here. I know my weaknesses. Things like invoicing, updating websites, um, you know, minutia stuff that takes time. Yeah, you know, it really does take time. And what might take me 15, 20 minutes, and I could probably easily get it wrong. Someone who's skilled at that, who that's what they do. And that's what they love. They could do it in five minutes, right? Even though I do believe nothing gets done in minimum 15 minutes, but that's another story. But the point being, you can flip that off to someone and you can get back to doing what you love, doing what you're good at, doing what pays, you know, maybe $100 an hour, rather than paying someone, you know, you pay someone 40 or $30 an hour, and you make 100. That's, good business right that that's a good sort of um that's a good mathematical equation not to mention you stay in your zone you know like sometimes things happen and you're working away and you see this thing come in and you go oh i could deal with that but it's going to take me out of what i'm doing right now if i just either just let it sit for a second and get back to it or just flick it on to the person who can deal with it you can keep doing what you're doing and you can just keep your workflow happening that's more about chunking and you know doing work at the right time but the point being if you've got someone that you know and trust who can do these things for you it frees up your time now yes it's a cost absolutely but as i said at the very beginning the copywriting life is not an expensive setup a business is not a very expensive endeavor so by paying someone to help you build this um, it's an investment in your business so in terms of orderliness you know if you know that's not your strength then that's something um to look at is get get a VA virtual assistant again just type in virtual assistants w- wherever you are and you'll find lots of um uh, resources to help you step through how to find the best VA for you next thing is calm you know there, there'll be an opportunity or a situation when a client that you do, do work with comes back to you with some feedback that you know is challenging um The temptation would be to fight back to some degree or to argue or to um, criticize or justify. And they're all natural emotions. My recommendation is don't. (laughs) And that's not to say you're being weak or you're not standing up for yourself. There's just ways in which you should, you know, resolve that conflict. And generally it starts with questions. So you can sort of absorb all the the negative feedback and feel it, and you feel like saying what you're saying, but don't send it, don't say it, right? So wait 24 hours at least if you feel that you've got uh, some negative commentary to that person. And make no an mistake, I still, you know, I have situations where I want to flick back something really quickly, and I know from experience, don't do that. You know, when I do, it inevitably ends badly, and I have to resolve that issue with that person and it's just time consuming and it's really unpleasant and i know that if i just let it sit wait 24 hours then deal with it and come back the next hour for good sleep i'm in a much better frame of mind so that is you know step one in terms of conflict resolution but number two if possible pick up the phone and speak to the client all sorts of things can be resolved if you speak because it's through tone and empathy and connection and an understanding that these conflicts get resolved and it's really easy to do quite quickly on the phone um, but if you do it through email all the nuances lost all the tone is lost and it takes forever to type those emails anyway to ensure that the tone is correct and still it could be misconstrued so there's all those sorts of reasons why if you have the courage just pick up the phone and deal with it again another podcast on conflict resolution potentially right but i just want to let you know that leave it 24 hours Uh, the next thing to think about is who will you work with because sometimes uh, you get an opportunity you know to work with a client and you end up thinking i wish i hadn't done that you know i don't feel good about that i'll give an example a friend of mine an actor this is a while back he wasn't doing so good you know he had been very famous in his youth and he had didn't have much money as a sort of growing older. And he got this opportunity with a big fertilizer company, like a big international chemical company. And he was such an environmentalist, right? And a real sort of greeny, you know, um, lefty kind of, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it was a very big conflict for him. And he took the job, big TV commercial, because he needed the money. And to this day, he regrets it because his face is associated with this incredibly potent piece of fertilizer which has proven to be quite you know diabolical so he regrets that deeply he needed the money at the time right so no judgment attached to that but it's just be careful what you do and who you do it with i was approached by a a cigarette company um not that long ago to do some work with their executives coaching and i i believe everyone has their own value system and i'm not judging anybody for what they do everybody's got needs you know that are different but for me uh I heard them out, you know, I just wanted to know what the actual job was and it was through a, a, a broker. So I wasn't actually dealing directly with the um, the firm. But the first thought was, mm, that's a challenge, right? Just smoking. And my father passed away through lung cancer. So I've got a very direct connection to that. And when I heard out the job, I thought to myself, so I'd be coaching these executives on how they could become better at their job and helping them become better at selling cigarettes. I, thought, I can't do that. I just, it's so clear. I can't do that. I can't give them my best because I don't want them to be doing that. Again, no judgment. People are going to work whatever you've got to do. So for me, it was an easy no. But everyone's got their their sort of spectrum. Some people won't work with gambling. Some people won't work with alcohol, uh, animal products. You know, it depends on where you sit. So just be, be mindful that, you know, you might get clear about your values. So the other thing to think about is Flexible. And adaptable. So you might be working in multiple jobs at the same time. So uh your ability to manage time becomes really important. And that's a good problem to have, by the way. You know, it's like, wow, I got all these jobs. So if you have a job coming in and you don't want to turn it down, but you've got all this stuff going on, there's solutions, right? So you don't want to say no, but you can say yes, and I can do it in three weeks' time, right? So yes and so never know, but yes, and and then wait and see what the client says they say well i need it next week you say well i can either refer you to my colleague and that's why you should always buddy up with a copywriter so that you can share this overload which is a great problem to have again or you say let me check if i can shift things around right but don't say you can do it if you know that you're really full tilt because it's just going to cause stress Uh, and then ask a client if they can potentially you know um have a, a delay on the job that they're doing but that sense of um The other thing I see happen a lot too is people, let's say they put out 10 quotes or they have a few sort of irons in the fire, but they get really nervous about, oh, what if it all comes in at the same time? It's like, well, that's a great problem to have, right? It just generally doesn't happen, right? So don't hesitate to pursue the leads in, in multiple ways, you know, because if one does come back, great start. And then a second one comes in, well, then you'll manage it. You say, well, I'm working on this. Can I put you in for two weeks time? And then, you know, you'll discuss that. Or if they can't, then you'll fix the one that you've got and bring them in or you get the other person to help you. But don't anticipate problems about overloading until you've actually got the problem. Because I've seen students who might not reach out or do any lead generation because they're afraid that if it all comes in at once, they won't be able to manage. In my experience, that just doesn't happen. And if it does, it's a good problem and you'll fix it. The other thing to think about is adaptability, that you've got to be a good writer for any number of products. So if something comes in that you don't understand or know, that's not a problem. That's what we do. You know, we work through the content with these clients and we become instant experts on how to write copy on that. And that the more you can do that with different product lines and categories, the better you'll become as a copywriter because it means that you start to see the patterns, you know, irrespective of whether, whether you're selling a computer a stapler, a car, a packet of chips, you'll start to see this commonality, you know, to how ideas get created, how copy gets written, how things get produced. So, and that's when all you need is a really, really good set of questions, which is called the creative brief, which is what we teach um, in our courses. Then that's the, the heart of being a good copywriter is having a very strong structure and template and briefing system so that you can apply your knowledge to any business at all. So don't turn away clients because you don't understand it. And the other thing is when clients say to you, oh, you have, you know, experienced financial writer, or you experienced healthcare writer, you can say to them, I can write anything, right? That's what copywriters do. They turn their hand to anything. And so, you know, don't let clients feel that because you don't have the experience that you can't do it because you can. It's just a matter of understanding the processes and those those um, structures, as I was saying just a second ago. Um and it's your job really to educate the uh, client to, to understand that you don't need to have had 10 clients in financial services to help them, okay? And, uh, and then if they still resist, you can say, especially if you're new, if you're a bit more experienced, you may not want to do this, but you can say, let me demonstrate to you. You know, you say, you show me a, a piece of copy that you're not happy with on your website and I'll rewrite it for you. And I'll demonstrate to you the impact i can make and that kind of leaves them nowhere to move right because they're now being challenged on the fact that you know you're offering to help them with that so that that's just a solution if you do find that the experience factor is not working in your favor now let's just talk about um insurance and then we'll wrap up because i get this question a lot which is do i need insurance now this is entirely personal so don't come back and sue me and say bernadette said right but i have to tell you most copywriters i know don't have any insurances And when i say any i mean professional indemnity and public liability when we talk about income protection different story that's more about protecting yourself you know if you get sick or whatever then you, you know income it keeps coming in but that that's a separate thing i'm talking about your copywriting business per se two types of insurance professional indemnity and public liability um, and like i said doesn't cover life insurance and all that stuff so professional indemnity so for example if um, a client sues you right because you wrote something and it was incorrect or it caused damage to them or somebody then you could be liable for those damages and those legal costs so if you're working with um government and corporates like big enterprise companies, they might want you to have professional indemnity. In fact, many of those organizations will not work with you until you get it. Right. So that, that's a little issue, right? But you may not work with those organizations at the get-go. Um, and you do need to show a certificate of currency in this fact that you can't just say you have it, they'll actually want to see the certificate. So um, and yeah, that so that's that's to be considered it does um protect you right um but you may not need it if you're just working for smaller businesses um in terms of you working with smaller businesses if you don't want to get that kind of insurance is to make it clear to them that the client is responsible for the final use of the words that you you provide to them okay so you might just want to put that at the bottom of your invoice or your quote document and it might say something like please note that we write the copy based on the information presented by the client. We do not take responsibility for the accuracy or legality of this content or for the final way in which this content gets used. So if you just put that there, it really, and again, I'm not saying I'm a lawyer or anything, but it kind of covers you to some degree so that you, um, you, know, you can sort of say with good faith that the onus is on the client to ensure that the content that gets put out to the world is accurate and legal. Uh, If in doubt, you know, see a lawyer and get the correct wording or look at how other copywriters, photographers, uh, creative suppliers word their contracts. And you can be inspired by that as well. And look, it wouldn't take too much just to Google this kind of wording and and find something on the internet that you can use uh, for your own purposes. Um, It takes on another level of seriousness if you're an agency or some kind of marketing um, provider where you are booking media space or supplying the publishers with content because you are the final point of contact, right? And if it's wrong, there could be serious implications for you. So if you're working as that sort of agency on behalf of a client, then you absolutely do need to get insurances because you're the final step before the public see the content. But if you are just providing content to the client and the client then does their own publication and their own, you know, content, then if you had that little paragraph, it, it, it could suffice. Okay. Again, I say that with a little bit of caution because i'm not a lawyer i'm not an insurance advisor but i just want to give you the heads up so if you do get stuck um, do check somebody out Um, from public liability this is if um, something happens to other people while they're doing business with you like they come to your home or whatever and they trip on your staircase or if you run public events in some respects Um, again if you work with public um, uh, government clients and big corporations i absolutely want you to have this as well so again if you don't go out to meet with clients and it's just online or they don't come to you then you're probably okay again say that with some reservation but um you don't need to get these insurances starting out i would think okay um if you do want to work with governments and these big corporates and they do require you to get these insurances you can get it and then you cancel it right so you get it for three months for the duration of the job and then you cancel it and but be in mind, bear in mind, if they sue you six months down the track and you don't have your insurances still going, you're in trouble, right? So just know that if you do the job, um, the insurances will cover that for the time that you, you're working for them. But if you do cancel it and the legal action occurs later, you're in a little bit of trouble so i can just say that from experience not that i've been through but i just know that that's you know i've dealt with insurance advisors a lot and that's what they tell me and by the way if this all looks really complicated it's not just type in insurance brokers and there's people out there who are hungry for your business and they will organize insurance within a day for you and all you got to do is pay the premium and they take care of all the paperwork and they take a cut from the insurance company that they work with. Uh, And it's the super, super easy way to get insurance. Like if you had to do all the paperwork yourself, it's quite a nightmare. So don't, don't feel like you've got to do that. Um, And lastly, tax, right? You know, my accountant sends me a document saying, would you like to buy our insurance policy that protects you from an audit? So basically, if I get audited by the tax department, uh, it's going to cost me a lot of money to get my accountant to comply with all the things that they need to do. And that, I think the last time I looked, it was three to $400 or something like that. So again, make your own decision. If you've got complicated tax matters and if you do get audited, you need to be able to provide all your receipts and everything, then that kind of audit protection could be a good way or it may be a waste of money depending on how complicated your, your matters are. So look, there we go. There's the podcast on how to set up and structure your copywriting business, get started quickly and start as you intend to finish. Good luck. If you've ever asked, is it possible to get paid to write? Or can I make money from my words? Can I be rewarded for my creativity? The answer is yes. And copywriting is the best way to do it. I hope this podcast has given you the steps you need to take that first step in launching your copywriting career. Thousands of our students are out there making a difference, getting paid, and loving the copywriting life. And you can too. Just get started. And joining Copy Club could be the best way to get started. Check us out at copyclub.com.au and find the momentum and energy you need to launch your new career. Now, my inspirational tip of the day, I like this one. We get rewarded in the light for what we do in the dark. It's nice, isn't it? And I am referring to writing there, okay? Nothing else that you might do in the dark. And my joke of the day, because I know you are waiting for it. What's the best thing about Switzerland? I don't know, but the flag is a big plus. Now, if you like that joke, and this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening. I'm Benedict Schwartz. That's it from me. All the best and take care.